0: you're listening to almost famous a music industry podcast championing independence powered by the famous company whether you're an artist or music industry professional ensure you don't miss a beat by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts uh we are back then for the podcast and today i am joined um by I, I want to go with Danny Champion. I I enjoy the Danny. Danny, how are we today?
1: Danny's fine. Danny Dan, just don't Daniel me. Daniel is when I've been told off. Um, Which yeah, we might I'm get all, to, to that good, point. Though. I'm all good. <laughs>
0: yeah, good, good. I uh, I understand, of course. You've got your your own podcast. I do, and uh, we will we will jump into that. But I'm very thankful that you're joining me today on on ours um, and. I know you also did an episode on you recently, <laughs> a birthday God. episode. Yes. Um, so for your <laughs> listeners, for the listeners of the uh, the Behind the Music Business podcast, this is part two, um, and for our listeners, yeah. this is this is very much part one and an introduction to you. Um, yeah, right. So I uh, I really did enjoy that, by the way. Um,
1: <laughs> it, it was I like
0: didn't... no, it was I... like an audiobook being read to me.
1: Oh God, yeah. <laughs> well, cause, cause I'm, cause I'm setting up my own publishing company at the moment. And because I'm a freelance con- consultant, you know, the whole point of a podcast or rather the whole that I kind of tweaked the, the point of this podcast, it's, you know, it's, it's marketing mm-hmm. for, in, in a nice, simple word. And I needed to start shouting about me a little bit and I'm yeah. not very good at that. I'm really, you know, if I could, if I could delete me from the podcast, I would. No, um, that kind of defeats the point. And so yeah. I did a very un-me thing, um, like I said in that episode. And on my 38th birthday, I released me talking about me for 27 minutes or something like that. I loved it. It was odd.
0: Yeah, no, I, I thought I thought it was great. So th- thank you for that. <laughs> right. um, I only you know, have no I only idea know...
1: how many edits.
0: How oh, many really? Versions
1: of that, I did. Yes. <laughs> yeah that that's that's going to be kept very secret on how many times I did that until I was vaguely happy with with what I came up with
0: well this is going to be a one take <laughs> and hopefully by the end of this one take I'll find out how many takes you took <laughs> okay no so- let's let's jump into that then yes. i wanna i wanna get down to uh the the nitty-gritty i know of course like i said this is part two for your listeners so you may have people listening right now from uh, the behind the music business podcast yeah you may know a lot more about them than our listeners but i, I want to know how you got your start in music mm-hmm. um and what really pushed you to it because I, I i do believe your story is very similar to to most people's as you were a musician
1: yes yeah i was in lots of heavy metal bands when i was younger um and uh, in the kind of the late 90s early noughties. and they were just i was perpetually in in that um in that range of artists in that range of bands that just are good but never make it over the last hurdle the the big hurdle that's in front of that's in front of everybody um mm-hmm. for whatever reason you know it's it's hard you've really got to sacrifice you've really got to say I'm doing the band. The band is the, is the number one thing that I'm doing. Um, that's hard when you're in a six piece band, you've got a, you've got five other people to all have the same, uh, you know, who you need to have the same point of view perspective with never quite happened. Um, and at that point I had already started doing kind of performance music courses, kind of a level level. And that was about the age I was, Um, But I kind of, like a lot of people, I fell into a music industry job. Um, The the simple uh, story is my dad met an accountant on a train and that accountant happened to be the accountant for a record label that was in Cambridge and I got in touch with them and said I want to work in the music industry and I worked there for three years. Nice. And then everything (laughs) else kind of came from there really that's where i learned about music publishing that's where i learned about sync that's where i started talking to music supervisors and then once that part of my career ended that's when i went right i'm going to university now i'm going to take it on and then i'm going to do the rest of it hmm. so yeah it was i'm i'm one of those people that yeah it's all a happy accident
0: no and a and a great one at that um it's definitely i i've seen your resume your cv and uh it looks it look. it's definitely worked out from that train conversation your dad had uh which is fantastic
1: yeah yeah it's been an interesting i think the last five years have been interesting to say the least i think moving moving out of london you know the music industry is is 90 percent in london and hmm. so when you're it's it's an interesting um Perspective to see it from one of the places that has a very vibrant cultural music scene, as, as Bristol does. I also worked and lived in Manchester for a few years as well. Again, it's another one, like a second city um, when it comes to the music industry. But it was, yeah, it was kind of five years ago or a little over five years ago when I left London was when things kind of become a little bit more... Don't know what's next, so let's see how I get on.
0: Do you still think the and I'm only saying this because of the last eighteen months has been work from home. Um, do you still think ninety percent of the industry is in London?
1: Um, I don't think ninety percent of the people are anymore. Um, but you know the all the people that you need to talk to in order to get over the hurdles uh get over the the lumps and bumps that are in everybody's way are in london you know so i am setting up a business i am going to be bristol based but as of 2022 probably um, once my feet are well and truly under that table i'm going to be in and out of london a couple of times a month at the very least taking meetings Mm. and things like that if you want to talk to anyone at a major it's in london um If you want to talk to the majority of of advertising agencies, TV companies and things like that, they're all in London. So you don't necessarily have to be based there, but it's definitely, it's the hub that we have. Mm. But but I mean, every country's like that. And we're just a really small country. So actually you can get in and out of London really, really quickly, even if you're in Manchester or Liverpool. So it's not that big a deal um, that, Everything is is focused on there, and I think that's something that I've come to realize that when I was twenty two, the be all and end all was London. It's not anymore. You can get in now, very very simply, and it costs a hell of a lot less to do things outside of London.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's interesting that you said. Of course, um, you said record labels, which. We, we all know as a part of the music industry, but then you also mentioned uh, TV and, and advertisement. Yes. This really does fall into sync and, and a lot of the publishing work that you do mm-hmm. um, try and explain sync then to, to, <laughs> to, to our listeners. Like what's tell me the way that you normally tell it to people who aren't in the music industry for people then to go and continue. And then tell me the way that you kind of explain it to, to people in the, in the industry. If they're like, Oh, what is your day to day?
1: Okay. Uh, so yeah, really, really simply put sync means or is short for synchronization. So to synchronize music to another form of media, um, that would traditionally, or the way that we view that is visual media. So it's music in advertising, film, TV, computer games, and the infinite amount of other things that you can, uh, place music into, uh, from there so uh yeah that's the the really really straightforward uh job you know whenever I meet someone you know I've I've moved to a new place and I've met a lot of new people recently and you always get there so what do you do for a living I place music into film and tv and they go okay I understand that if I had to go into the nitty-gritty of how that works a they'd never want to talk to me again and b I'd be there for about 48 minutes a very specific yeah. amount of time i chose yeah, it was. <laughs> I think I, I nearly said forty eight hours and thought no that's too long um, but yeah yeah so that that's that's what sync is and there's yeah there's there's lots and lots of intricacies and and bits and pieces to go with that there's lots and lots of diff- different variations whether that's the end user creating the variations, so the TV company or the film company or the ad ag- ag- the agency. Or if it's the rights owner, so the record label, publishing company or whoever who's creating the music, there's lots and lots of ways things start to change around. And then you add the global sphere and you can start seeing that there's differences in how that works in the UK to how it works in Europe, how it works in America. And then you know, there's layers of, of complexity that come with hmm. it. Now, you don't have to be a
0: well-known artist to place in, in sync do, do you like that's that's very much a uh, you can you can be a a songwriter a bedroom artist and still have some somewhat of success
1: yeah i mean i guess the the, the key thing is is it syncable and there's there's a lot of music is that syn- is, is syncable uh because it depends on what music the people who are using the music want um, there's more, you know, more mainstream stuff, more uh certain genres become more syncable than others. I'm massive into my heavy metal. You can have syncable heavy metal, but not a lot of daytime television is gonna use it. However, yeah. you know, acoustic singer-songwriter stuff, loads and loads of it gets used. So so certain genres of music play a bit better than others. And again, if you are if you have traction beyond then it helps if you are well known if you are someone who is on the up and up if you're a bit of a buzz band if there's something going on around you then yeah you know people at ad agencies want to be the reason because the reason that uh, an artist or a band went from being kind of known to being really really well known as much as any a and r person does um And on the flip side of that, you know, if you're Katy Perry or Ed Sheeran or something like that, maybe you're a little bit too known. You're a bit too expensive for, for those sorts of uses to happen. So there's not one set formula for it, which I think is the key thing. It's about, all right, what does the brand, what does the TV company, what does the film need in in the scene that they're working on? And then, trying to find the best piece of music that fits that. And it could be well-known, it could be incidental music, it could be written bespoke for it, or it could be from an unknown.
0: I get you. So you can still be a um, a band like, I, I guess, like Periphery or um, like a very kind of heavier band, maybe like Architects and mm-hmm. still kind of place. But at the end of the yeah. day, do you, do you think a... I don't know, uh, a UMI at
1: six is going to be a better place for... Again, it, it really does depend on what the usage is. So my my mm. publishing company that I'm setting up at the moment, um, I think that the the kind of the 10 acts that I'm currently in talks with, um, three or four of them are on the heavier end. And I'm probably not going to be focusing too heavily on the UK sync market for them i'm probably going to be that's interesting focusing more on digital Mm -hmm. and us with them because of the nature of where things get made especially from a tv perspective things like that whereas some of the more electronic and kind of acoustic guitar led stuff and more mainstream stuff definitely going to be much more of a uk focus sort of thing again it just depends on the usage you know you have to do a hell of a lot of research there's a lot of content being made you know we don't just have four tv channels anymore we've got 400 and more and more of that stuff is getting made and it's about it's it's the music that fits the the advert it's the music that fits the tv show uh you know if it's a sci-fi show you might have something that's a little bit more industrial going on in the background because of what the visuals are but if it's a romantic comedy it's not you're not going to have something that's heavy in the background whether it's guitar led or whether it's keyboard led you can have something that's a little bit more soft and um authentic and it really does does depend on what what's going on visually that's what steers the music
0: if if you're an artist then and you want to take your kind of first steps into the world of uh, of this where do you go what do you do
1: Um, You find an agent, probably, in much the same way as you would do to try and get live shows. You find a booking agent, uh, you find someone to represent your rights. Hmm. Um, You can do it yourself, but again, like with any band, the more you do yourself, the more you've got to do, the more that it takes away from creating music, Um, but also when you land something, you keep the money. Um, so if you are a emerging act, you want to be on the books of someone that has a sync presence. So, um, in the past decade or so, uh, label services and publishing services have become very, very important to DIY acts. A huge amount of them, if not all of them have sync as part of the thing that they do. So companies like Centric Music, um, up in Liverpool, uh Tunecore are uh, an American company, but they've got a global footprint. They all offer the, you know, the the opportunity to get syncs. Mm. Um, that doesn't mean that they guarantee syncs. It doesn't mean they, you know, they, they basically open the door for your music to be heard. Um, whether or not it gets heard depends on just how much music is being pushed through that door at any given time i think a company like centric who i am a massive fan of whenever i'm talking to any students or anything like that i'm always saying if you're not prs registered or anything like that you need to be registered with a collections out uh, with a collection society and so go via a publishing services like centric um it's one of the reasons why i'm setting up my own publishing company to do that sort of thing just on a much smaller smaller scale but centric have got over a hundred thousand songwriters on their mm. books and so it's it's numbers yeah there. so the the opportunity is there you're you know you've got one foot through that door sinks and briefs will come your way doesn't mean that you'll land one or anything like that um, does that first I- step come at a cost though uh, not if you go through well a commission at, at at best, I think most most of these companies that some of them charge a, a fee. Maybe I've I've seen some, you know, charge monthly admin fees. I've seen some charge commissions. It's you know, that whole sector of service companies, uh, you know, they they have to make their money somehow. Um, of course, and and in much the same way as you would do if you're looking at uh, a label service or anything like that. You know, you you pick the one that suits you the best given the circumstances that you have at that given time and you look at at the but it doesn't stop you from doing your own stuff either you know one of the things that i always say to to artists is do you subscribe to any youtube channels and for the most part they say yes and then i go All right we'll get in touch with them and see if they like your music and see if they would want to put one of your tracks in one of their videos because you never know because it's about building connections. It's what, it's what a music supervisor does. It's what I it's what I did do. am doing it's, it's the more people, you know, the more people who know you, the more likely your stuff is going to get listened to. And then the more likely your stuff is going to get licensed. And it's just, it's about that. And it's, it's a long process. It's, it doesn't, Mm. it doesn't happen over a weekend.
0: Yeah. I would I would want to know then. Um, and you can give me your your top two or your top three. And and obviously this might come down to more personal preference, but you're you of course you've started, you're about to start your own venture, but you've worked yes. in this for, for for many years. Is there a thing that you particularly look for in working with a songwriter or artist? What would your top three things have to be for you to be like definitely yes?
1: Um I want the so from me, from my perspective, from the 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 artists that I'm currently working with, I I'm doing that because I'm seeing passion in their stuff. So they might not necessarily, you know, I'm not that they might have five thousand monthly listeners on Spotify. They might have fifty. I'm I'm seeing a, a band, a group, an individual that is ridiculously passionate about their music and is putting everything that they can into it that's mm-hmm. the first thing that I'm looking for second thing is is a, a, an element of professionality understanding that the quality of the music needs to be good these days so it's not just oh yeah I'm just banging anything I like up on Spotify I'm I'm taking my time over it we found a, a producer that un- understands us, so the quality of the recordings really sounds good. You know, they're, they're making professional decisions um, on a quality control level because that's a key thing. Um, when you can just put your stuff online via Bandcamp or Spotify or anything like that, um, there's nobody. There's there's very little people telling you not to. Hmm. Um, and so if 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 they can have that quality quality control sorted out that they know that this isn't good enough yet and they're going to wait that's something else that I look for and then an openness to to work so i've i've engaged with songwriters who are really open to an external individual to come in to be part of the part of the the team um and i've also spoken to songwriters that just are so closed to that they don't want you know it's their baby their music is 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 part of them and nobody else is going to tell them how or when or why to do that and those songwriters and artists are going to struggle Unless they mm-hmm. get very, very lucky, because you know, I don't want to tell anybody what they shouldn't shouldn't be doing. It's a, it's a partnership for me, um, but I do want to work with people that are willing to let somebody in to the process and listen to them, even if they don't ultimately do anything with with anything that gets gets said to them.
0: Yeah, I think uh, I think a lot of artists these days really do need to be open minded, especially if they're at a uh... Well, I, I don't know what point in their career that the artists that you're working with are at, but um, clearly, if publishing and sing, and all this kind of stuff is on their mind, yeah. um, they really have to take advice from from many different people because you you've worked you've worked with um, uh, labels yourself, and of course now you're going and you've you've been teaching for uh, a, a Five while, years, while, yeah. yeah. Um, do you often see this in in kind of very talented people? it's
1: yeah the i i see it in the younger talented people and and i've spoken to a number of 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 songwriters for the podcast or just in general about this as well and they all say the same thing as yeah when i was 18 19 20 i had very very closed off views on my art and gradually as you get older and as you realize how it all works you start to realize that you don't Necessarily have to compromise in order to open a few more avenues and a few more opportunities. So it is very much a uh, it's it. Everybody gets there in the end, but also you know you don't want to push, you don't want to force someone who you know an artist because that's what songwriters and 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 bands are—they're artists. And it's not—it's you know I I don't have the right to say well you're doing that wrong, um, but I do. Uh, I am uh, um, able to say, okay. Well, while still thinking that way, then then I'm not going to be able to work with you in in that in that space. And a few a few others would would probably say the same.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think I think it's very much a thing that a lot of uh, our guests have said. Especially a few we we, we had Hannah White on here as well, um, who works for BIM, and she said the same thing. It's kind of like a you sometimes have to drill through to, to students that um, what they think they know about the music industry, they're, they're not too sure. And that's what's kind of great about both this podcast and, and your own. Um, and I, I, I'm i not too sure, of course. I, I don't mean, You don't need to give me uh, examples in terms of exact money. But at the end of the day, I know a lot of people are in this for passion, but they need to make a living from it. Yeah. just the side of um tv advertisement what, what, whatever it is mm-hmm. is there a still a living to be made in that side of the industry and can someone do it just being a sat like a standalone songwriter and how much could they be making I don't know if it's kind of per deal or if it's contracted Mm -hmm. like a retainer. Give give, give me maybe a few examples.
1: So uh, to answer your first, the the first bit of that question, is there money to be made? Yes, there is. Um, It depends on what your aspirations and expectations are. So um, I know a lot of people in production music, for example. Uh, So that's incidental music that's written, specifically for media so people that make albums uh, but that music doesn't ever get released commercially it's just for like daytime television so if you watch on know DIY SOS or something like that all the music in the background is is kind of production music or library music um, but people I've spoke to they kind of say it's it's a great way of getting rich slowly because right. you rely on your performance royalties so it's it's relying on a piece of music being used in a television show and then that television show being repeated and played and played and played and then syndicated to other countries and then played and then put on on demand services and then played again so you don't necessarily see money immediately but you can and you know there are there are uh, composers out there that do it full-time and there are also composers out there that do it part-time that over the span of 10-15 years you're seeing this really nice consistent amount of money coming in Um, from a kind of commercial songwriting perspective I I always say think of it as part of the portfolio unless you are Drake or Ed Sheeran or someone like that you're going to have to not rely on one single income stream you're gonna need to maximize as many as possible so you need to go right this is this is my streaming income this is my live income this is my sync income and all of them together create your full-time job so you don't have to work in costa or whatever anymore like that Mm. Um, but again SYNC is, is a bit of a, uh, a lottery at times. It's something, you know, as, a, as I've mentioned too many times already, uh, set, as in setting up your own business, I've got to do cash flows. I've got to do budgets and things like that uh, for funding purposes. And I can't, I'm kind of ignoring SYNC because in year one, I could get £10,000 worth of SYNC. I could get zero. I can't, I, I can I can be and, and it really does depend on whether or not I want to be conservative and and underestimate or whether I want to back myself and go, no, you know what? I'm gonna absolutely smash this and hammer this, and I can I know I can get these these amounts of of projects coming in. And then it's about, you know, how many projects you can do. Um, you know, one sync could net thousands, but also one sync could net you know, 50 quid here, there and everywhere. And so you're having to do loads and loads of them. So it's, 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 yeah, there's not a formula. There's not a oh no, you'll definitely make this. Um, but if you've got the right people behind you, if you've got uh, enough time that you're working on it for, and you're not reliant on it. So this idea of this is going to happen gradually and you're going to get there eventually. And once you get there, it's, it, can be fairly consistent then then there is definitely money to be made because as i said you you earn a an upfront fee you know someone has to pay for permission to synchronize so that's a license that they have and then as soon as that sync goes on the telly every single time it gets broadcasted it earns royalties which then get paid out to the songwriters and the artists as well so yeah you can double your money on that could it whatever depending on where the where the usage goes
0: mm. you mentioned as well about uh syndicated shows yes um with that and this might actually be all contract based uh is it the same amount on repeat or when it makes it to i don't know dave or <laughs> on demand or in another country is that a completely different renegotiation <laughs>
1: re- re- so what you would usually do is is within the, the 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 negotiation for the sync, so the upfront permission to put that piece of music on that thing, all of the upfront stuff. So the territory, how long it's licensed for, the amount of the song that's being used, all that stuff is is negotiated and sorted out upfront. So you would get then a fee for that. So if it's UK only, you get a fee that represents a UK only deal. If you're looking at European wide, you'll get a fee that represents European wide, et cetera, et cetera. The royalties on the back end will be dependent on the relationships that the broadcasters have with the collection societies. So the PRS or MCPS and PRS in the UK, they will set the the amounts of money that you would earn performance-wise in the UK. But in, the, in America, it would be done via BMI and ASCAP. And in Germany, it would be done via Gamer. And in France, it's done by SASM. So all of those company, companies do the collective licensing on their own kind, and then you just collect it in. And the, the royalties will change. A bit like in radio, it depends on the channel. So if your music is played prime time, you know, uh during the ad break of the Champions League final, you're gonna get a, a fairly hefty whack of of income. Um hmm. if that ad is being played out at three o'clock in the morning on QVC or the horror channel or something like that, you get a hell of a lot less. So it all depends on on when and where, in much in exactly the same way as how radio works.
0: Yeah. I I that that's uh it's it's a it's a great kind of uh world to be a part of um because you just kind of don't know where your project could go um and it's i, I i'm very much excited for what you've got coming as well with your uh your new venture the new company coming um yes. you need you need to tell me a little bit more then about what you're going to be doing as a whole and what your day-to-day will be
1: yeah yeah so dc music publishing uh is 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 literally that it's a a boutique full service music publishing company so um i yeah i i want to kind of move slightly away from just the sync stuff and do some of the things that i've not yet had the opportunity to do um on top of sync stuff so you, the more standard publishing AR stuff uh, just looking after the songs of songwriters uh, and all the boring admin stuff, the registering the works and collecting the money. I'm someone that is interested in that stuff for my sins. So uh, yeah, I've threatened to, to, to set up my own publishing business for five years. Um, I was going to start it March, 2020, but uh, a pandemic oh. got in the way. <laughs> yeah. um, and so I had to rethink it because I'm going to largely be uh, reliant on the income that live music generates for my artists. And there wasn't a live industry. So I thought mm-hmm. it's probably not the best time to, to start a new publishing company, uh, but I'm doing it now. Now that we are getting back to the vague realms of normality, Uh, and yeah, it's, I'm, I'm walking before I can run. I want to look after the rights of artists that they don't really understand that area of the business. And then gradually once, once the kind of the, the nitty gritty, the admin systems are all in place in the background and I'm, I'm able to say, yeah, I can, I can give you a really nice bespoke personal publishing service. Um, then I'll then I'll start on on the the wonderful creative area and start down the down the sync line again and and the A&Ring and and matching songwriters together and putting together and trying to get cuts on on records and all that sort of stuff
0: mm. yeah it's it's it all sounds amazing I'm very very happy to it's gonna uh, be
1: hard work and yeah. it's gonna it's and I'm not gonna get paid for a long time. <laughs> As I said, it's, it's a way to make money slowly. Yeah. I love that. It's hard work and you won't
0: get paid for a long time. It is the mantra of the music industry.
1: Something like that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, uh, this is a question that I normally uh, end on. um, And I think it's a, it's going to be an interesting one because what I'm hoping Dan is we, we should talk. I say we should talk near the end of next year and see where DC music publishing is, 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 is gone from then. I mm-hmm. think it would be a really, really good, good to do a, a part two slash part three again of your life. <laughs> um, so I would, uh, I'm going to ask this question and then I'm probably going to then ask for the <laughs> advice you would give to yourself right now, okay. um, in our next one. So my question for you is what advice would you give to your younger self, you have gone from um services to services different companies of course you were you you're you lecturing uh uh-huh. for bim what's something that the uh i don't know the eighteen year old danny champion oh, would uh, would need to hear don't do it probably
1: something like that <laughs> um that's that's a tough one that i think I, I guess i guess looking back as someone who is hurtling towards forty is don't be afraid to do your own thing early I think it's a such a big step for for someone to go no I'm gonna do this for myself I'm not going to go and try and find a job somewhere or even when you have a job to set up your own thing it you know when I when I left university a bunch of mates of mine we were kind of in the in the realm of artist management and we all just went we we were too timid to just go right let's just set up our own company and and do this we all kind of felt our way into the industry and and got really low paying jobs and it took ages and ages and ages for all of us now to be really comfortable with just yeah I'm going to set up a business and I'm gonna and I'm gonna do as much of it as I possibly can and I think it's just yeah, don't be afraid to do that stuff because what you want is time. So the 19, 20-year-old me, I could have made loads of mistakes back then and it wouldn't have mattered. But when you are, yeah, as I said, pushing 40 and you've got two kids and a mortgage, suddenly suddenly mistakes matter that little bit more. And so you you kind of weirdly put more pressure on yourself, even though you've got more knowledge so yeah it's kind of don't be afraid to just to just go for it i think is what i would say
0: i love that and like i said i'm gonna in our next session i'm gonna ask what advice would you give to the 38 year old (laughs) get more sleep (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And so we go from there. Um by the way, the uh the platform is yours right now. I want you to plug away at whatever whatever's coming, whatever you've got. I'm sure there's a bunch of websites that artists can look at uh and some social media stuff. So uh Danny Champion, go for it.
1: Yeah, okay. So uh my podcast Behind the Music Business. Um I'm not sure when this is going out. Um but As of October 2021, I will have kind of stopped for a little bit. So I will be back in January 2022 uh, with more episodes, hopefully. Um, If you're interested in checking out DC Music Publishing, go to dcmusicpublishing.co.uk. There's contacts and all that sort of stuff there. Um, If you're interested in the various consultancy stuff that I do, Uh, whether it's education, whether it's music supervision or whatever, uh, go to dannychampion.co.uk. All of my contact details are there. Get in touch uh, and ask questions. And I'm totally up for going for a a coffee or having a Zoom chat because that's how life works these days Um, and all that sort of stuff. I'm on Twitter as well. I don't really post a lot on Twitter, but I'm on Instagram um under dc music publishing as well so there you go fantastic plug plug, plug, plug,
0: plug. yeah uh i know you said just taking a break uh from behind the music business but i i understand there's 60 plus episodes for someone to dive into so yeah,
1: so there's they'll i think as of as of october of this year there'll be 66 67 episodes they're all about an hour long um they're all on spotify they're all on uh, Apple, they're all on Google they're you know wherever you get your podcasts from. There's a whole range of different people I've spoken to from publishing to records, artists, live managers, music supervisors, everything like that. and yeah I'm in the process of booking some people in to chat with over the over the coming weeks and then those those episodes will start getting released next year because i do it all myself so i've got i have to edit it all and well record it all and edit it all and put it all up on online and all that sort of stuff so it takes takes a takes a bit of time to get
0: write the theme tune sing the theme tune
1: yeah i nearly said that yeah, what you were going for it. Write the theme tune, sing the theme tune. Yeah. <laughs> Danny, uh,
0: thank you so much for, no for worries, being thanks. on with me today. This has been absolutely brilliant and uh, please take care. He is an absolute delight. Danny Champion. Honestly, if there was a Hall of Fame of friendly faces, you know, people that you just want to approach because they just, they just look like they've got a good story to tell, or they look like they'd be really nice Uh, Danny Champion goes into the happy face Hall of Fame maybe famous Hall of Fame can we do that I don't know almost famous Hall of Fame You, you get in touch with me let me know Anyway, for anyone else who wants to listen to <laughs> more interviews, AMAs, tips and tricks, and exclusive content, go follow us on Instagram and TikTok. It's at the famous co. That's at the famous CEO. My name is Zaid. Tap that subscribe button or follow button, whatever comes up, and we'll see you guys next time. You've been listening to Almost Famous, a music industry podcast powered by The Famous Company. If you're an independent artist or music industry professional, for more information, head to www.thefamouscompany.com.